Hey guys, this is Justin, joined once again by Corey for another episode of Tap Calf Transmissions. Today we are ending the first little saga of the X-Wing series with book four, The Backdoor. Corey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm ready to get into The Backdoor here. And uh... <laughs> You want to explain that for the stream just so you don't just throw a bunch of backdoors around and confuse? Yeah, I'm just saying we're going to be talking about Star Wars X-Wing The Backdoor. Okay, all right. No problem there. Um, so last episode, I got really sick at the end. I got food poisoning, and I was throwing up a bunch. So if you guys have any questions about um, book three, the Krytos Trap, we didn't get to answer them, feel free to leave them in the chat now if you're watching this live, or you can also email them, and we can eventually get to them. Yeah, so I guess if you guys want to uh, think of any you have right there, I'll just uh, give a little overview of how we got to where we are in the books for anyone who may have forgotten or... Uh, isn't reading along so that sounds good to everyone for shame if you're not reading along because these books are really wow. fun well not not the Krytos trap's not that fun yeah <laughs> the so other at the end of Krytos trap <laughs> for those of you who decided not to finish the book uh very least <laughs> there the rogues decide that since the new republic's strategy is going to be going after warlord zinj because they think isan Asard, who has taken over Typhera. Uh, to control Bacta production in the galaxy, which they need to fight the Kratos virus. Mm. Uh, they, the New Republic government calls that just a bit of internal politics that they don't want to interfere with. Right. So <laughs> the rogues' response is to all resign their commissions. And we'll, t we'll talk a lot about how valid that interpretation is. Yeah, but, I'm sure there's some legal uh, analysis to do there. Yeah. <laughs> the rogues decide they are going to leave their commissions in the New Republic <laughs> and start fighting a uh, more guerrilla rebel-style warfare on their own against Tissard and focus on liberating Typhera. Yeah. Uh, so, it's just for as Justin said, this is the last book in that yeah. arc. So, Yeah, so for even more background for those of you who missed Star Wars up to now, Bacta is basically a healing fluid. It's the thing that Luke floats around in a diaper in Episode Five. Uh, the reason they need that not only is because, you know, they're fighting and, you know, people get injured and stuff, but also because, as Corey alluded to um, in Book 2, the Empire releases this super nasty disease on Coruscant, which they've kind of given to the New Republic, and the only thing that can really cure it is, is Bacta. So obviously, demand is extremely high, and now that Izani Isard, who is kind of like the main baddie, has full control over Typhera, which is the main Bacta producer in the galaxy, she essentially has a whole lot of power. Yeah, so the a lot of that has been established in the previous books, and it's something that doesn't come up a lot in... Uh, in Back to War. So a lot of the characters like Admiral Akbar and the rest of the Provisional Council that would show up pretty regularly in yeah, the previous true. books kind of fall by the wayside and we're just focusing on Wedge's rogue operation here. Yeah, I guess the only the only real New Republic character we get is the Krakens for a little bit. Other than that, yeah. it's, it, it's kind of a lot more similar to Book 1 in that way. But even Book 1 has the as the Akbar stuff, but it was kind of an, a nice change of pace, I thought. Yeah, and we've sort of been tracking our own pet peeves about uh, references and stuff throughout the series <laughs> where you've been focusing on odds and I've been focusing on Akbar <laughs> ocean metaphors. And even though, even though Akbar is not in this book, there is one that Mirax makes that I'm going to try to find where oh, it's basically really? just an Akbar line. I missed and, that. There's not as many odds in this one either, because like no, I only three, got one. Did you get the one that um, Booster says? Because Booster basically uh, says, 
he doesn't directly say uh, his is about Corellian odds, not um, Rogue Squadron odds, because both Corellians and Rogue Squadron pilots are known for defying odds. Very important and to keep that in mind. Yeah, I didn't get that one. I had uh, an earlier one, very early on in the book, where Corrin gives the usual "I'm a Corellian." Yeah, or is it Corrin? Yeah, I'm a Corellian. What use do I have for odds? So yeah. at least it's there. It's not as overrepresented as it usually is, but at least we're there. Yeah, hold on. Let me. I think I've got the quote here. Um, there's also a section two where it's like um, Corin and Wedge and Booster, and they're basically like three Corellians. We got this. Again, kind of indirect reference to Corellian just being very. Um, they've got like a lot of swagger, I guess. Yeah. So the I think I found the Mirax one. Mirax one. It's or maybe it's Card. No, it's Mirax. Either way. <laughs> what is it? Did you actually... Uh, Corrin crystals rarely make it off Mon Calamari. Card definitely fishes for items with a very wide and fine net. So oh, they got yeah. it in. Yeah, right. Also, on that note, can we just point out, like, how extra Corellians are with, like, the way they die and their funeral rites and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> so... For those who miss it, and there's references to this in other books too, like it's kind of a big point in one of the Legacy of the Force books when Corellians are like uh, being put in concentration camps on Coruscant. But, um, sorry if you guys heard that notification, by the way. But um, basically when Corellians die, they, they're, they get basically compressed into diamonds and they get thrown up into, it's kind of like a starscape, right? I guess they had, would have these across the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, well, it's. I think it's just for the ones that helped the New Republic. Oh, okay. So because they're exiled from from Corellia, they can't... Uh, or because the Corellian government is separate and it's under the diktat, the mm -hmm. ones that are important within the New Republic can't really go back home. Mm -hmm. So uh, they end up in that kind of sanctuary thing. Right. That makes sense. And the, the sky is supposed to map like the stars as you'd see as them seen from, from Corellia, Corellia right. I think. I would assume diamonds aren't that's much like aren't a super valuable um, commodity in Star Wars, where like you can manipulate gravity and stuff, and you know exert immense pressure and no problem. Probably can just make them at will. Yeah, but then who cares about synthetic diamonds? Yeah, true. You need those. just like the real world. Yeah, but can you imagine oh, just? Damn. Can you imagine just going to a party and you got like a full ring on and be like, I'm wearing Nana today. I'm wearing. <laughs> Or an Uncle Lewis. <laughs> Got my old mom's side of the do family. That. You think they do or they don't? I think people do that. Yeah, probably. Like, so for my mom's funeral, instead of just have, she decided that uh, funeral favor things should be a thing, mm -hmm. and she got a bunch of saplings that she wanted her ashes mixed in, and we gave them out to everyone. It's kind of creepy, but the idea ah, was basically nice. then trees everywhere. So the the idea that people would turn them into jewelry and give out their relatives, I, I think that's a fairly yeah, but that, not you, that far fetched. You say that, but then like you're wearing like like Nana as a grill, you know, or like hey, you got your brother on like your belt or something. It's just like it could happen. It has to be a thing out there. Yes, there has to be someone. There's probably someone in the chat right now. Yeah, wearing a relative, probably. Maybe like a nice coat too, if you want to go really far with it. I can't believe how far we've managed to get off track so early on in the book. I don't think we've covered <laughs> a single plot point that actually happens in this book. All right, so I guess we'll give a, 
a brief overview of uh, of the general plot of the book. Mm-hmm. But the we're still playing around with the best way to do the format for it. But uh, we're going to try to stay mostly on track, which we never do. Mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, the book opens up where Corin at the end of the last book he had been approached by Luke Skywalker. I thought you were going to say uh, Mirax. <laughs> <laughs> that too uh but corin had been approached by luke asking him to join his effort to rebuild the jedi order because corin's grandfather was a was was a jedi named nisha halcyon uh that's exactly what and, wedge's uh, accent sounds like in the audiobook by the way <laughs> oh boy so totally on purpose but uh corin turned him down because he wanted to help with uh freeing the prisoners from lusankia which included Yondo Donna. Uh, and he's talking to Mirax. They have some fun little couple times together mm-hmm. uh, talking about just stuff that we probably can't repeat on the podcast. Well, uh, next. Yeah. We, we probably will later. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've got a nice quote from the beginning of this book that I'll read in a few minutes. Because Would you like to get it out now or do you want to? Yeah, I probably should because it's, it's all I'm going to be able to think about until I read it. There you go. So. Mirax and Corin, and Mirax is the daughter. So to set up the relationship a bit, because this is pretty important, it's kind of a a conflict that is sort of ended in this book, but runs throughout the other four or the other three. Sorry, um, Corin's father uh, was worked for Corsac, which is basically like the Mounties of uh, Corellia, and, and the uh, Mounties are the police of Canada. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so they're the Mounties of Corellia, which are the police of Canada. Um, and then, on the other hand, Mirax's father is Booster Tarek, a, a famous sort of, mostly a smuggler. He he is a bit of a criminal, I guess, but not a particularly violent one. Um, and the two fathers had a rivalry with um, Corin's father trying to, uh, to chase uh, Booster down for quite a while and eventually catching him and sending him um, to prison for five years. So... It's kind of like a bit of a Romeo and Juliet situation, but by this book, they're fully together, and we get a beautiful little paragraph from one of the first pages. Corin is up at night thinking about his lightsaber, and and how he wants to be, how he's not sure, you know, whether he should be a Jedi or whether he should be a Rogue Squadron pilot. Um, and Mirax comes out, and she's basically like, "Look, what are you doing up so late?" She says, Cornhorn, this is not an hour when you do your best work. Corn raised an eyebrow. I seem to recall you singing a different tune last evening about this time. <laughs> At that time, you weren't concerned with the Izani Isard. You were concerned with me. Ah, and that makes the difference. From my perspective, you bet. She took the lightsaber from his hand and set it atop the dresser. And I think, you're, and I think if you're willing to work with me, I can share that perspective with you. He kissed her on the tip of the nose. It would be my pleasure. That, Lieutenant Horn, is just half the objective here. That's like pretty damn close to like full on 99 cent pulp. Like They may as well have just thrown in the line then she gave it. Yeah, exactly. He gave her his Lieutenant Horn. <laughs> like why not at that point, right? Ugh. <laughs> uh... But then yeah. Mirak said, but really, we should have sex, just in case no one was... Yeah, because some of the people reading this book are young, and they won't understand all of the, the implications there. 
I mean, you know, when I read it, I didn't remember there being so much sex in these books because Star Wars books are not totally, but generally pretty sexless. Um, like some exceptions, I guess. But most of the time, like, yeah, the characters get in relationships, but it's pretty much left at that. Like, Corrin has basically ranked every woman he meets based on attractiveness level. Yeah, there's uh, one further instance of a new character getting introduced in this book where we get some details there. But I think this book is probably the best of the four for not overdoing that to the Agreed. same extent, especially compared to Rogue Squadron, where it was yes. like every other page. Yes. This one, you have that scene with Mirax, a couple references here and there, which is it's life. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yep. But then there's a scene with Fleury Voru talking about yeah. uh, Arisi Delaret, which also doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, so Fleury Voru is basically, well, originally he was released, and this is a little bit convoluted because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but originally he's released by Rogue Squadron to help stir up some trouble on Coruscant. Eventually he joins Isard and runs to Typhera, and now he's um, her Minister of Commerce. Um and then there's also a character, Arisi Delaret. She was at one point on Rogue Squadron, but she was an Imperial spy. Um, and now she is also with the uh, Typharon. So all the sort of bad guys are in one place. And um, Fleury Voru, who I kind of imagine as being this old man. Um, like at Even least, he imagines himself. Yeah, because he's been man. in prison for quite a, like, quite a while. Um, and He was pretty highly positioned before he went to prison. Yes. So I, I've always... I think he's probably like mid seventies or something. Yeah, I didn't Maybe quite imagine older. him that old, but I guess that would. Well, make he was sense. talking about yeah, no, it he makes was talking sense. about how he only had so many years left yeah. to execute his vision for his life. Yeah, but I didn't. And we know like that, people in Star sense. Wars live longer too. Yeah. So going back to our first episode, even if the Bakurans lived even strangely longer than that, so I, I was picturing him like seventy, seventy-five. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And then let's just remind everyone that Arisi is the number one draft pick on Corrin's attractive single ladies list, I believe. Yes. Even above Mirax. Well, no, number two, number two. Below Mirax? Uh, no, above Mirax, yeah. which she is very explicit about. Yeah. And future wife Mirax. And Yella and... is like way down there. Yeah, but it's the it's the otter that's first. Cheryl. <laughs> oh, I forgot about her. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the smooth skin doesn't compare to the, that sweet, sweet otter touch, does it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And there's the, the new new character in this book whose mouth is slightly too wide. Yeah, so, she's, yeah so she's number five. The only detail we learn about her. I but... don't remember if Corrin, does he specifically, because Isard is always talked about as being strangely attractive as well. Yeah, that's a lot of that comes from Voru. Yeah, where every scene that Voru's in with his art is like, and remember, she has two different colored eyes. Yeah, and in case you didn't recall from last paragraph, her one eye was different from the other eye, and in this moment, the bright burning of the eye that was different from the other it eye very subtly reflects the duality of her nature. <laughs> sometimes she can be cold and mean. Sometimes she can be angry and mean. There's that Simpsons episode where it's like uh, a parody of The Departed. At the end, there's the rat it, that's going over the fence or whatever, and Ralph right. shows up. The rat symbolizes obviousness. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, 
I mean, to be fair, these these aren't books for symbolism. I'm sure there's some in there, like if you'll, yeah, maybe maybe not, but there could be. <laughs> sure, there, there's plenty of symbolism. Yeah, like the uh, and there's like discussion of PTSD. They're not they're not yeah, as pulpy yeah. as you would like to think. That's true. That's true. Um, and ultimately, they're enjoyable books, which I think for an oh, expanded. Uh... Try don't just point out in the chat something that I think we miss, where uh, Isard actually has two different colored eyes. Oh, did I mention that? No, I, th I think we forgot. It doesn't come up much in the book. It's an easy detail. I think that's only over. in the Essential Guide to Warfare. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go deep into the source books to get this. Yeah, if you if you look in the uh, there was a it's, it's, there was an old gamer guide magazine, and just one picture of her, black and white, but the shades are different, so. People assume. <laughs> Took a lot. We should probably collaborate on a lore video to get to the root of this issue. We should. Um, anyway, I don't think we've talked okay. about anything of substance yet. All right. So for okay, the but... broader part of the book, the we're talking about Wedge, or the book we're not talking about. The book is talking about Wedge's leadership, or the attempts that Wedge is leading to undermine uh Isard's attempts to control the uh, the back to production, back to distribution across the galaxy. Uh, this is probably where episode one got the idea that economics and trade disputes was the best way to go for the trilogy. Of course. Uh, so generally what the Rogue Squadron members' goal is, is they are going to try to build up their resources mm -hmm. and they're going to raid the back to convoys as they're sent out. They'll hijack all the back to transports and they'll send them out to other planets that need them. So yeah. we won't go too much, I don't think, into the individual uh, execution of that, except for uh, when it comes directly to the Corruptor, which is one of his art ships. Uh, yeah, I mean, but... I mean, both forces are pretty simple in what they have. Like, Isarad only has... Yeah. She's got two Imp 2s, um, a Victory, and the Super Star Destroyer itself. Yeah, so there's the Corruptor, which is the Victory Star Destroyer. There's the Virulence and the Avarice, I think which are the Imperial Star Destroyers and Lusenke, which is the Super Star Destroyer. Mm -hmm. uh, Wedge and Rogue Squadron, they start off with just Mirax Terex Pulsar Skate, which is uh, like a freighter, smuggly ship. Mm -hmm. uh, think Millennium Falcon scale. I think a little bit bigger than that, but yeah, I think so. nothing huge. And they have the a single Z95 Headhunter. Right. Or they have the other ones, but they sold them off. Right, and that's from like the Raid on Coruscant, right? Yeah, they used those to capture Coruscant. Tycho had bought them, and they have a bunch of money that had been deposited in Tycho's accounts to frame them. So, like six, 17 million credits? Yeah, but I mean, they ramp up quickly with the amount of money that they're dealing with. Yeah, because pretty early on in the book, Yeah, they sell them. Yeah, and I mean, it would have been interesting if like they had kind of a motley crew, but like almost immediately, the New Republic kind of under the table gives them their starfighters back yeah so it's uh like the third or fourth chapter in wedge and Tycho are talking and Tycho has managed to get sorry i'm sure you can hear that but you and uh, like entry... speed underground what's, what's going on i'm actually recording this from a car right now <laughs> oh nice but the... <laughs> they managed to get entry which is their uh droid back that was able to get a bunch of deals for him and he never comes up again in the book that i can remember but they also get uh, their X-Wings were noted as uh, surplus military hardware and hmm. sold off to them. Missing so one there's, thing. Yeah, the pilot. There, there's 
it's pretty heavily implied throughout the book that even though they've had to resign from the Republic, mm-hmm. the New Republic is implicitly supporting what they're doing, even if they can't openly do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like that. I think Emtree comes out too later when they get the um, the Alderaanian ship because uh, Wedge kind of makes like a C-3PO-esque joke about how he's always reminding him of how familiar he is with like um, naval codes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they were going to use him to run... They mentioned him as running the Valiant and annoying all the droids to death. Yeah. Uh, Daigo's fish did have a, had, kind of had a good point. They... Or a, a good uh, note, the Coruscant Z95s are sold as collector items, which is kind of cool. Yeah, the the Bothan, the one that a seer drove in particular is highlighted, mm-hmm. because as a Bothan, uh, it was, the Bothans are really big into what their contribution is to the Rebellion, mm-hmm. so Wedge and Tycho talk about that as uh, probably the, the biggest value ticket for them. Yeah. Um, that's but, kind of interesting, because... Really, throughout all of the Star Wars EU, like the main characters are like famous galaxy wide. Um, like Luke is probably one of the most famous people in the galaxy. Same with Han. There's a bit in, um, I think it's the Swarm War, where like they're on a Killick ship or something, and like they're signing these things. <laughs> like and like the whole point is like the Killicks are very logical. So like Han's like, hey, we'll sell all these, and you can make lots of money off them but all these people would be really really famous and but han and leia for example are always just kind of walking down the street and stuff i love the idea of han in his old age just like hawking merchandise yeah (laughs) get your official millennium falcon toys here kid that's what it is it's like a it's like a statue with a millennium falcon and of course it's filled with little uh, critters because that's (laughs) how they take down the fifth fleet they fill it full of critters We'll get to since it. We're talk- we'll get since to we're it. talking about the uh, the acquisition of their stuff here in the New Republic, it's probably a good time to talk about why the New Republic is uh, yes. not fighting with them and what they're actually doing. Well, I'm the legal expert. That is so... stupid. Go for it. <laughs> okay, does it doesn't make it, it? It makes some sense, I guess, but not really. So the basic idea is that the New Republic doesn't want to be seen messing with internal politics of. For, well, for one, Typhair is a non-member planet, so I don't see why they'd really care. Um, because they're, they're worried that this is at a point where the New Republic's expanding very rapidly, and lots of new planets are joining the cause. Um, and they're worried that if they start messing with internal politics on Typhera, because technically Typhera was run by two large Bacta corporations. It's, what is it, Zoltan and uh, Zuckfra? Zuckfra. Yeah. And Zuckfra is kind of oisted out. Um and then Azani Isard is kind of put up as, you know, I don't know what her official role is because it's kind of weird. She's kind of like a governor, but she's also, it's like a, it's a company that runs the planet, basically. Um, so, yeah, the issue is that she's kind of inserted herself into a difficult political situation um, and kind of taken advantage of it. And then the New Republic doesn't want to deal with that. And they also have uh, Big Daddy Zinge who is out causing trouble with a super star destroyer that um, they also think is more important, I guess. Yeah. So the, the argument that it's just internal politics, even if the, the tensions in the civil war started before Isard got there and took advantage of it uh, throughout the book, she's attacking other planets yeah. and there's like, yeah, talking about like she genocides and... the, she's ready to genocide the species. Yeah. So 
their whole later on in the book she's talking about the workforce the local workforce Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, I put together an analysis of the back production here and determined that the back industry needs only 1.8 million Vratics to operate all the facilities we have at 100% efficiency. That means there are a million surplus Vratics on the world. Yeah. And then she says how she's going to murderize them. Yes. And the this information gets out because she wants Wedge to hear about it mm-hmm. and to lure him into attacking. But you'd think that would change the New Republic's... Right. I mean that's more than enough. That's more than enough. For you. I mean, plus the fact that it, it's not like it's just a random planet. Like Typhera, Bacta is one of the most important things in the entire galaxy, and she's essentially like using an imperial monopoly to, you know, she's basically like torturing the rest of the galaxy. Yeah, and it just because there was the upper level of humans who were like it kind of shows humanocentrism in the New Republic as well, mm-hmm. because it, the population state is being ten thousand humans yeah. not all of which were in zakra yeah and then three million vratic so very low population on this planet mm-hmm. especially for a hive mind species yeah but because zakra took over and was going to kill everyone that was enough of a resolution of their internal politics for the new republic to be like no this this checks out plus i mean like she's an imperial warlord basically the new republic can perfectly just declare war on or on her like, whenever Thrawn captured a planet, like, it's not like the New Republic was like, well, eternal struggle, baby. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> like, what was the name of that uh, that agricultural planet that basically just capitulates to him when he does the trick with the uh, the shield and the dreadnought? Remember? Uh, was that... I can't remember the name of it. But you know what I mean, right? When they... Yeah. Because he, you know... He, he uses just as much force because, you know, maybe Isar doesn't, you know, shoot any turbo lasers, but she shows up with an, at this point, a kilometer long Super Star Destroyer. How is that different than, like, and she she's, she's just poisoned a planet. Like, she's just, she's just killed potentially billions of people. Oh, yeah, it was Yukio. Thank you, Die Ghost Fish. She's just killed billions of people, like, yeah, and she's it taking over the planet so that she can stop the treatment in the galaxy of... Yeah, so, like, I don't think diplomatic powers. immunity, like, counts at this point. Yeah, they'd... their their reason for not getting involved is tenuous at best. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, so Wedge is trying to execute the war in that way where they're doing the raids, they're getting the back to the first thing we see, or the first raid we see... Uh, there's a bunch that are kind of implied as going on in the background. Mm-hmm. But the first raid we see, they get the Bacta, and Corin and Oral take it to a planet called Halinit. I think it was Corin and Oral. Uh, yeah, I think so. And so they give it to this very small population planet as well, where they have uh, a bunch of, like, a very high mutation rate disease that they can sort of treat, but they need Bacta to effectively wipe it out. Yeah, and this planet's and... like they're barely holding on it's like basically an a rock that they're living on and yeah. it's like this disease, this disease doesn't kill them it just makes them really hungry um well not really hungry but it, they need to eat a lot to survive so this yeah, disease they is can't just afford gonna... the bacta exactly. at sr's prices because like a billion credits yeah they say so um, the rogues give it to them but then sr starts realizing well they're giving it to these planets so mm-hmm. we're gonna invoice these planets and anyone who doesn't pay the invoice, we're going to just show up and wreck them. And that's what she does 
Uh, she sends eight Convarian, which is the captain of Corruptor, that the VSD to. They go to Hal in it, and they start. No, that's what's actually. This would have been after the second raid, so I guess we'll talk about that. Yeah, first. but she wipes out the colony. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what doesn't Dala kind of do something similar to that when she's kind of just going around wiping people out, like. Doesn't she like just raid a bunch of little colonies too? Or am I misremembering? She does. There was the raid on Dantooine where they were trying to. Oh yeah, I think Gantoris's folk. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But yeah. But yeah. So so, what they're doing because, Isar doesn't really have that much in the way of assets, um, and it does talk. They do talk about shipyards a bit in this book, which is kind of cool. Um, she doesn't have access to any shipyards. She can't replace her TIE fighters. So basically, she's in a tough position where she's like trading with other warlords. I, like they mentioned, um, they mentioned the deep core warlords like Blitzer Harsk a few times. Yeah. So they'll trade some Bacta for some TIE fighters. But like, even with those extra units, it's still hard to protect all the Bacta convoys. Because you, have, if you imagine, I mean, this book probably doesn't even do justice to the scale that something like this would need. This is a treatment that's being used across the galaxy. Um, so, yeah, it's like she's responsible for the protection of every Tylenol shipment in the world. Exactly. Um, so Rogue Squadron, they steal. I don't do. They don't think they outright destroy any, do they? Uh, they, uh, they do eventually destroy the the production facility on Kretu Five. Right. But they're mostly trying to just hijack as much Bacta as possible and give it to people. They're Robin Hooding all the Bacta. Right. And you know what? I got a real problem with something Wedge does here. Uh, In the first raid? On the convoy? Well, well, I'll save it for the second raid. Okay. Well, uh, right after the first raid, since we're going to try to get there pretty quickly, uh, there's another scene between Isard and Flurry Voru. Uh, There's going to be a few throughout the book where Isard just, like, rails at people, especially Arisi Dalaret and Flurry Voru, Mm -hmm. where no one likes her in this book. Uh, she's yeah. always saying the wrong thing. So there's a few scenes like that. Uh, Definitely there's another... Emerged. Yeah. There's uh, a quick segment where Corin goes down to Typhera and is delivering some supplies. They find out Bro Jace is alive. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, the, at this part, the main thing that happens for Rogue Squadron is they pick up a bunch of new assets. So uh, two old Rogue Squadron... I think they were both pilots... Um, I don't know if Sextus was. I, I don't think Sextus was. Okay. So Elskull was, Sextus wasn't? He might have been. Let me just check. I don't, I don't think Sextus was. Well, either way, they pick up some old associates of Wedge who is going to... Mm-hmm. They're going to be in charge of running the rebellion on the planet. Uh, so they're going to be trying to organize the Ashurn or working with the Ashurn. Uh, but they also get some Twi'leks who show up in the Death Seed fighters that we heard about in the last book. Uh, so now there's, I think, two squadrons worth of extra Death Seed fighters. Um, uh, yeah, they usually only run one at a time, though. And the Death Seed yeah. fighters are kind of cool, too. I'm going to do a video on them tomorrow, I think. But they're hmm. they're basically like mass... Because they're ugly starfighters, which means they are parts of different ships taken together. But unlike most uglies, they're kind of uniformly produced. So they're pretty, they're pretty decent little ships. Yeah, they can kind of spin the same way B-Wings can. Yeah. But, um, sorry, kind of just yada yachting some of the plot points to get back to the second raid, and then we'll double back for whatever we need to. But uh, So they go for a second raid. Sorry? I was going to say, I don't think we ever explained who the Ashurn actually are. 
Okay. Uh, do just, you want to do that with like Bro Jace? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So we'll just do the second raid, talk about the mm-hmm. attack on Halonet, and then come back to the Ashern and all the stuff on the planet. Cool. Um, one thing that we do have a viewer question, kind of on because we're talking about equipment. Um, one thing that's unique is after the um, after they get their X wings back. We kind of talked about this. Basically, the New Republic kind of gives it to them under the table. It's heavily suggested anyway. They each kind of paint them um, uniquely. And we got an interesting question from, uh, I think it was from Nick. And he said, yep. I was just, he said, hey, Corey, Eck, I was just wondering your thoughts on paint jobs on the Rogue's X-Wings. I feel it is one of those cool minor details that helps add to the Warplanes parallels and the pulpy nature of the book. Also, which was your guys' favorite? I personally like Gavin's Crate Dragon, bringing it back again to World War II Warplanes. Thoughts, Corey? Thank you, Nick, for the email, by the way. Uh, there's actually a picture of some of the designs that was in another piece of media. I'm going to see if I can look it up, but I think I think he's right. Gavin's is the correct answer. I like... Right? Well, I, I do kind of like the um, Tycho's, just because I think the... Tycho's is just red with, like, uh, black and white. I don't know. I just think that'd be a cool color combination. But, yeah, I think... I, I think probably the right answer yeah the Tycho's becomes important later because he changes his call sign as, or his mm-hmm. uh iff code where it's he sets it up to be the same as another chance yeah which is a uh an old alderanian freighter that they put all the weapons on after they demilitarized mm-hmm. uh so he basically jumps into systems identifying as another chance and that'll be important later they do something like that um in the in the Vong War too, when they I forget the name of the squadron, the one that's like Jaina and Jagged, they all paint their X wings, or Jagged has mm-hmm. his um his what's it called his claw craft. I don't know. I, I I do like when pilots do that. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, they they've got to make sure they leave the uh, the kill counters on. So yeah, of course. And the have a VSD and Death Stars on wedges. Yeah, exactly. Because because yeah, because at one point, well. We'll talk about this in a second, but yeah, they're continuing to do the count. I wish I would have tracked how many how many lives uh, Corrin extinguished in these three books. <laughs> it must be upwards of like 25 or 30. And then there's whatever happens off screen, too. Yeah. yeah. He's just on a murder spree for books and books. Yeah. Plus, you know, but, him and uh, Mirax killed each other that one night, if you know what I mean. Oh, God. That's a thousand little deaths, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, add that to the X-Wing. Well, we don't know if they both did that. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, they suggested that. Anyway. Well, they talk about practicing later. So yeah. Uh, I don't know if we need to have a specific episode just for a corner. We just need to get all this shit out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they have the second raid they cover is after they have all the extra resources that your Daki are there, which is why I was trying to yada through it. Mm-hmm. But the uh, during that raid, the corruptor so Asardis figured out what they're doing, mm-hmm. and because the the transport was being kind of argumentative, there were three, and the lead one was being like, No, we're not giving you our stuff, they're gonna yeah. kill our family. Uh, because they're taking that extra time to surrender, corruptor has time to catch up to them. Shows up in system and basically blasts the uh, the transport into dust. Yeah. Before it does that, they kill uh, the only rogue squadron casualty in the book. I think mm-hmm. yeah. Rivshiel, the Shivastanian. 
Yeah, and he's just he's murdered. And I think we we both have this thought. He's murdered yeah. like so like offhandedly that like I searched him up. I was like, did he somehow survive this? And like I I put a little note that like he's the worst treated wolf man since the one who was just removed from the special edition. <laughs> like <laughs> like he just he's just gone and and Wedge is like, well that happened. <laughs> like we'll have to bring the vacuum around after like he's eating at the. The uh, mess, I guess, now. There are a few comments, sorry, in the chat to just saying that they're either at the end or it hasn't started yet, so I think there might be an issue with the stream, but uh, it may not just be me. Huh. But either way... Let, um, me just, let me just double-check, because it says... Are you guys having stream uh, issues? It says it's working for me. It might be because there's only a still image, but... Yeah. Well, either way... Uh, yeah, let's just continue. The other point there, I guess, was that's how Gavin ends up on Alan and then is there when they're attacking. But Right. And I don't don't quite so it seems like he was recovered after the battle or something. And then or like because it makes it seem like during the actual battle that he gets taken out, but then they're like, No, he's still alive. Because he just uh he just jumped to hyperspace oh, okay. when as soon as it happened. I think that's gotcha. what he says. Gotcha. I must have missed that. But, yeah, um, he just made a few jumps out, and then he knew how to get to Hal in it. He right. wasn't oh, good at astrogation, right, right, right. and that was a place that he knew. Which is something they mentioned like in the first book. Yeah, because Lujane, Lujane Forge yeah. was teaching him how to astro, astrogate, astro-navigate. stabbed. Then she's dead, so yeah. no one bothered to finish. <laughs> He's like, well, guess I'm not traveling the stars anymore. <laughs> yeah. This... <laughs> just shut up, Gavin, and follow us, stupid kid. Yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention though is Wedge promises all these people that he's going to protect their family, and he definitely doesn't. Like, yeah, like a lot. Like, a, there's definitely a lot of people who are murdered on the ground, um, because I'm sure the Asher and Rebels can't protect all of them. There, if there was even like an offhanded mention from Wedge to Booster, like, oh, these are the families of the people, let's get them hidden. But no, nope. not even once. And I think Even it, it later Sarah. says, because because I started actually straight up says later, don't worry, I've already killed all the families when she's testing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When uh, Seryanka defects, and yeah. I think it was Seryanka. Or, or no, it was it was when Convarian, after the second battle. Because remember, right. she's like dressing him down, kind of. Yeah, because Voru was going to be like, oh, well, don't you want us to do this? He's like, oh, don't worry, we already killed them all. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah basically um yeah there there is the mention of uh wedge getting the asher to kidnap the people that are on the planet but there was a few places where uh, i was happening off planet too yeah and there was basically no attempt to Wedge is very unaware of what collateral damage is yeah. in this book where it seems like it's kind of a blind spot for the rogue <laughs> Well, that's why they're not associated with the uh, New Republic anymore. You can tell because they painted their X-Wings differently. That's true. Yeah. can't have those New Republic colors. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so let's talk about the second battle specifically. Basically, oh, I guess you already basically explained what happened. They're slow. The uh, Victory Star Destroyer shows up and blasts a couple of... Uh, it blasts a freighter and um, one of the X-Wings. And then there's also the attack on... Um, so Gavin goes to this planet, the same one that they gave back to two, 
And Isarad's like, well, we've got to re-extract the Bacta basically from those who took it. And she launches a big strike. And it, I, I kind of like that scene. It's pretty brutal, though. Yeah, they, she just murders everyone on the planet. Yeah. Gavin gets away. Yeah. But like, there's another scene between Arisi and Gavin, too. And one thing that really bothered me is that Arisi, at this point, is flying a TIE Interceptor, and she refers to its um, landing gear. Unlike TIE Interceptors don't have landing gear. That one does. I guess so. Yeah. It lands in snow. It says so in the book. <laughs> you are right. Aren't you reading the book? You are right. Like, that's, that's the obvious explanation, but... Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> Makes me sad. Is this the scene where we get the name for Gavin's astromech? Oh yeah, isn't it like Jawa Swag or something? It's Jawa Swag. Oh okay, you've got it marked down. I I made a note of it because it's the dumbest thing. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be Jawa Swag, as in like, or Jawa's wag. Like, like do Jawas have that much swag? Or it's about talking and it's actually jaw as wag. Or just so jaw was, yeah, jaw was wag. Like they wag their, I don't think jaw was have a tail, but they, they could. You don't know what's under the groves. Yeah. It, it's like the tie interceptor landing ground. Landing <laughs> That's what they're hiding back there. We need to get a uh, incredible cross sections of a jaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm down. You know how there's the um, what's his name? Um, Crate was being a, was a Tuscan Raider for a while. Darth yeah. Crate. Why didn't we ever get like someone who had a history of being raised among the Jawas and who like turned evil? R two for about fifteen minutes. Yeah, or it could have been like a Chadra fan or something. Ooh, if Techly. If... <laughs> yes. It would have been well. Oh, that that should be a, a subplot we look into for. I'm gonna see if I can make it work. If if there's nothing in the books that directly contradicts it, it's gonna be my new headcanon. Yeah, it anything that's not directly contradicted by the books, even some stuff that is, is canon. I kinda so. I, I kinda get it now actually. Jawas steal droids and stuff. So like a droid would be a like a like the Jawas swag. Okay. I think. Yeah, that that's fair. Still, it's you can tell he's a seventeen. Age. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, we didn't really mention they do take a nice little stop over when they introduce. I think it's before this, maybe before the first raid. Even they take a stop over at the uh, Dark Letter family farm. Yeah, on Tatooine, and of course they stop at a um, at a tap calf or a, a cantina. Sorry, in um, Tatooine, and wouldn't you guess it? the exact same one we always stop at <laughs> well it's Mos Eisley's only so big how many bars do you need have you seen the kind of people that hang out at Mos Eisley you tell, well, not, all the drunks in town can't fit in that one cantina that's fair so I'm from a very small village so I, I the city of Niagara Falls mm-hmm. has a small village next to it called Chippewa I know exactly and where it is so there's only a couple thousand people that live there and there's very few streets, mm-hmm. but on two streets, there are, I think I counted 11 bars, yep. each one at most two minutes from the next. Yeah. So it Halifax, apparently, yeah. people say they have this, the most bars per capita, but it's been down to second most bars per capita. Damn, so that's, we have, guys gotta uh, catch up. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the suburbs, and there's like, there's like five bars I can walk to. So like, 
it's the perfect place to really nurse a nice drinking problem. How did they get the naming rights of Moss Eisley Cantina? True. That's what I know. Like, is there also Moss Eisley Bar and Moss Eisley and Cantina? Is, like, is this anyone else work there besides Wooher and what's her name from the holiday special? This is what, seven years later? No, uh, this is like 11 years later because that was. No, it's not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's yeah, not. Yeah, it that is because after New Hope. Because yeah, there's 480Y uh, would be. No, right, right, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm an you were thinking, yeah. Yeah. It was Return After. The... I was thinking After Andor. Andor, Andor, but Andor yeah. No. It's seven years. Yeah. So he has got no career prospects at that oh, point. Oh, God, no. Um, How long has he been there? Speaking of, we did get an. We did get a. Well, I think the new canon has him like, I think there's a story about him being like scarred by the Clone Wars or something, but uh, yeah, we did get an email about that. Um, I'll just read it. Drinking Rodians. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. I gotta, Corey. Can you check who this one's from as I'm reading it? Um, so it says I have really enjoyed the series you are doing on the EU books. I decided I have to catch up when you started the X-wing series. They are some of, if not my favorite, Star Wars Legends books. Uh, Backed is my favorite. Um, I think it's interesting how in this book, uh, Wedge and the Rogues are in complete control of what is going on, which is 100% true. Uh, I think Booster Terra commanding the, the station and later the Imstar Deuce is the most amusing plot point. And then there's a bunch more, but the part that I wanted to get to is there's one reference to, I think, Tales of the Moss Eisley Cantina. Um, the reference is in Chapter 6 when Wooher is telling off a Rodian and a Deveronian for going after Mirax. When he threatens their death, he calls dibs on the Rodian. I'm all but certain that this is a reference to the story of Wooher turning Greedo's body into the most potent drink ever. Did you catch that one? I did not. Me neither. That's from I don't even Wild Christmas. Yeah, I don't even really remember Tales. I don't remember that story in Tales, but yeah. Interesting uh, reference. Did you get the, the name of the person who sent that? Uh, Wild Christmas. It's right under that. Oh, well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. That's message. how emails work. If you just scroll like well, right you know down what? below the message. Corey, I copied it to a different notepad and I forgot to take the name. Okay. God, why do you make me See? use my big boy voice on the podcast? I was I was thinking that you were just reading from the thing, but Well you know, also so when you were copying, that's another thing you could do where you could just continue scrolling with that and then you could copy the name as well. But you know, that's that's just me. That's Well, I'm not quite sophisticated. I don't know how you that. do things on the East Coast, but here in Ontario we have droids who do that for us out here. Yeah, we're getting we're gonna get into some local, local Canadian regional politics. Goddamn upper Canadian. Anyway, um, oh yeah, <laughs> what are you talking about, buddy? Listen, I'm gonna go out for a rip, and I'm gonna come back, and you better apologize. Oh yeah, bud, you think he's <laughs> gonna come back on in here, eh? Oh, uh, I'm gonna... sorry if you feel that way, but come on, man. I'm gonna throw some pause at you, buddy. Oh. <laughs> anyway <laughs> um that is the worst digression in the history of the podcast well i don't even know if it's the worst digression this episode that's fair we'll have to get someone to do a top 10 list that's what we can do top yeah. 10 digressions on tap calf transmissions also i think in this when they i forgot to take a note on this but i think they mentioned the droid scanner in the moss Eisley cantina which is always one of my favorite things you know what the droid scanner is i do not it's like, you know, when they walk in the cantina, there's like this big panel on the wall with like a, a blue like lit kind of like cross on it. Oh, yeah. Blue light eater, bud. <laughs> yeah. Big time, bud. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the droid scanner. And it's in the cantina. That's 
Anyway, uh, it's, I don't know. What do you think about when he meets... So, after they go to the cantina and Mirex throws her dad's name around because he's Booster Tarek, he's this, uh, he's this, you know... My father will hear about this. Yeah, he's this big shot, basically. Then they go to the Darklighter residence. Um, not Gavin's father, Biggs's father. Um, who in one of the other books is described as being kind of a dick. Because doesn't he try to steal land from somebody, basically? Yeah, that's how he got all of his money. Right. He's described in this book as being kind of a dick, too. Yes. So... Totally. Um, so they go to his house and of course he, because he had, he found this Imperial weapon stash somewhere on Tatooine and rogue squadron still needs assets at this point. Um, so it's just, it's Corrin and Gavin, I think, or no, sorry, Corrin and Mirax because yeah. Corrin, Mirax and, and Gavin. Gavin is there. Yeah. So there's another person who wants this stuff. And wouldn't you guess, he comes out of the room and Corrin's like, I'll have you know this is the daughter of Booster Tarek. And of course, the guy he's talking to is Booster Tarek. Yeah, which is very convenient because they needed someone to run their operations. And he agrees to do that too. And just decides to like give up his claim to the weapons because Wedge needs him. Yeah, but, but uh, they're like, no, we can't be Imperial, which, well, fair enough. So someone is putting a Nick Fuentes stream in the chat. That's a ban. There was something that came up later in the books about what Biggs or what Huff was doing with the equipment too, where he had his personal security force wear stormtrooper armor that he painted blue. Wait, what? There was stormtrooper armor in the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So yeah, Huff it does kind of it kind of pays off. See what they did there? They set it up and then they knock it down later on. Damn. Yep. These guys really know how to write literature. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um. <laughs> Did you know the story has a beginning, a middle, and an end? Yeah. But on that note, though, and this is off-topic, unsurprisingly, the rogues don't suffer too much in this book, do they? They, they don't suffer too much, but they also don't get mentioned too much outside of Korn, Wedge, and Tycho. True. No one else really seems to matter or have any lines. Which I think if if they had focused more on the squadron dynamic, because that's what the first book does so well, and the other books don't do quite yeah. as well. That would have brought this book to the next level for me. But like everything yeah. they plan goes right, I can't think of anything that goes wrong. And some well, usually it goes better. There's the one raid exploding, doesn't go super well, dude. He's and he's a, in the other books, he's not even good enough for the special editions that his species. So like, eh. <laughs> well, in in the other books, if someone, I guess they didn't care much about Broar Jace. Funeral but... for him. Yeah. Yeah. At least he dies on yeah, screen. Broar Jace dies off screen and they tell us like as accidentally <laughs> yeah oral does get a lot gavin gets uh oral yeah out. but we don't get their reactions to how they feel about each other very much yeah like the, as a squad the banter They're... like the the competition or like they're going to the tap calf or whatever like that's what the yeah. first book does really well um they get set up like they get built up to be the squad and then it's like okay we know we already know they're the squad so we're not going to talk like throw a goddamn picnic in there at some point you know, like, like I'm the crew go out and get some sandwiches. Like, Riv dies, and then no one mentions him again. Yeah. Noara Ven gets, like, two lines yeah. in the entire yeah. book. Yeah. Well, that's because they're saving all, all his lines for Fate of the Jedi when he'd be Luke Skywalker's lawyer. Hmm. Yeah. He conveniently does have it, or not conveniently, but he 
his leg goes away, so yeah, that's the end of Noir as a pilot, too. <laughs> um, yeah. What was I going to say? Ah, oh, crap. I lost it. I completely um, lost it. I guess we should go back to the Asher now and Broad Jace talk about all the stuff that happened on uh, Pantera. Yeah. Do you want to cover that? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. So basically, there's two back to corporations on um, Typhera, and the Empire, they didn't quite imperialize the corporations, but they did allow them to form a monopoly. Um, one of them is Zuckfra, and that's the one Jace is from, right? Uh, Zuckfra is Arisi, Zaltan is Jace. Oh, okay, so I've got it backwards. Okay, so Zuckfra is the one that's in charge now. Yeah. Um, so each of the Bacta um, conglom- or not conglomerates, corporations had a representative on Rogue Squadron. Um, Zuckfra had Arisi, who was the traitor, and then Zaltan. Zaltan, right? Yes. I, I can't do the Bacta politics. Um, Zaltan had Broar. Um, and basically, there's like a civil war between the two. Zuckfra, uh, well, Zaltan wants to actually formally join the New Republic because they think the Empire's days are numbered. Um I think Zuckfra wants to remain neutral, um, but eventually they do kind of become the dominant power, and there's kind of this rebellion set up against them, the Asheron rebels, and it's largely Vratex, right? Like, yeah, the Asheron are supposed to be like all Vratex. Yeah, but it turns out like what Roar Jace tells us after he rescues Corin during the supply drop mm-hmm. is that the Zaltan had actually been working with the Ashern and were right. kind of like trying to work together for all that. Right. And it's an Ashern rebel in, uh, in book three who really helps out with the, uh... yeah. Kalarn Harf or something. Yeah. It's a Q and Chase actually says he was the one that sent Kilarn to wedge. Right. Right. And he, and he says if it hadn't been wedge, he would have chosen Corrin, which is kind of like, cause they had a sort yeah. of a rivalry, but he's like, you know what? I respected you, bro. They were frenemies. Yeah. Um. One thing. What do you think about the the space station they're in? So it's the. I, I was kind of unclear, and I guess I would have had to go back to read this. So this is the same station they Warlord Zinch has it, and then they liberate it. Does it actually explain how they managed to take the station itself and clear it out, or do they just do enough damage to it that everyone just leaves? Uh, well, they they got to it in the last book, and then it just surrenders to them. Oh, okay. So, because hmm. uh, it was Zinja Station, and they show up, they take out the Tie Fighters, and like, yeah, we can either like, yeah, nuke you with stuff, or you can just give up and, and let us have it. Yeah. So, and that's over Yogdul, which is where the Given are from, and the Given are another exoskeleton species. So there's lots of bugs, lots of exoskeletons. Um, but one thing that, that I find kind of weird is the fact that the station manages to stay secret for so long because it seems like there's a lot of people going there and I expected that Rogue Squadron would try to keep their involvement like hidden like you know keep, everyone stay on one level but you know Korn will come back from a mission and he'll be like well I guess I'm going to the Tap Calf yeah it's a pretty like open secret that it's the rogues running it, boosters running it for the rogues. Yeah. And all the all boosters people show up there. But Pash has it listed as having been destroyed mm-hmm. in New Republic Records, and that's kind of what Isard operates off of. 
So they just kind of take her just, word for it until they expose she, that they're there. She clearly uses smugglers because she has that whole thing with Molina. But yeah. Like somehow word doesn't get to her until the very end that they're hiding yeah. out there. But, well, during, I guess, the uh, next major thing that would, unless there's anything you want to talk about with Corrin on Typhara during that raid where he kind of tries to do some Jedi stuff and fails and then they meet Broar. I think it's all kind of... I do like how when they're healing him, he's got like real good Bacta. And he's like, they, they fix him up in two days. He thinks he's in the keep tank. the good stuff for yeah. himself. I think he's in the tank for a week and he's like, nah, man, we got the, we got the good good here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not using that garbage we sell to the rest of you. Yeah. This is, this is that good shit. But the the first destruction of one of they're they're basically trying to pull apart Isard's focus because she only has the four ships. They don't want to fight them all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Isard figures out where they're going to transfer some supplies because one of Talon Card's people who is working to supply the uh, Wedge's forces with weapons uh, through a deal that Booster had made with uh, with Talon Card. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his associates. What's your name? Melina, isn't it? Melina Carnes. Melina Carnes, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, has sold them out. She's working for Asard, and says where they're going to be doing the transfer. Which, like almost everything else, is at the graveyard of Alderaan. Because why not? <laughs> it's the symbolism, but yeah. also the obviousness. Yeah, like let's make um, Tycho feel shitty for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to Alderaan. And when they're in the middle of the transfer, Eight Convarion shows up with the Corruptor, mm. which is the VSD, yeah. and tries to destroy everyone. But luckily, they don't just have their freighters and their X-Wing. There's a puppy in the system mm-hmm. named Valiant, Sweet which old is boy. an Alderaan, <laughs> an Alderaanian uh, war frigate? Or war, yeah. It's, war frigate. Yeah. They call it a war cruiser sometimes too. Well, I think another chance is the cruiser, and then there's the three frigates that were tied oh, to it. And in the audiobook, they call it a Carrick later on too, because they say yeah. they say Carrick sized in the in the book. In the book. Yeah. So the audiobook thinks that it's a Carrick cruiser. Well, they also, uh, if you want to go into how Valiant finds them and what the audiobook has to say about that. Oh yeah, so basically, in in the book, what happens is. So there's this, like we explained earlier, there's this Alderaan and Legends, I think probably Canon 2, basically demilitarized and somehow they fit all of their weapons on this ship, which is kind of like flying around space and it's called Another Chance. And it's protected by these three ships um, and there's one remaining and basically it sniffs out when the the fighters are adding paint and stuff and to seem like they're separate from the New Republic, they also changed their IFF tags, basically like their their codes, their transponder codes. Um, and this ship was meant to protect another chance. So Tycho, being an Alderanian, gives his, his code, he calls himself another chance. So when he comes in space, the ship thinks it's him. Well, the audiobook, for some reason, says that not only did he have the IFF code, but Tycho's ship looked like another chance. Despite the fact that Tycho is flying an X-Wing and another chance is like this frigate. 
And that's kind of the problem with these audiobooks. They're three hours long, basically. I listened to almost all of it today after I finished reading. They're three hours long, and the problem with that is they try to summarize a lot of material, and sometimes they just do a bad job, like calling the ship a Carrick, despite the fact that... Oh, but enough about the podcast. What does the audiobook do? What do you mean? The three hours long, summarize the book and do a bad job that... Oh, fun, oh, okay. Fun of us. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not quick enough to catch to stay up with your humor. No, no. I get yeah. it now, though. That's yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll just be over here. Yeah, okay. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna let this one hang for a minute. Please don't. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's lots of little things like that, and just generally, I'm I'm gonna talk about this at one point. You got to be really careful when you um, listen to audiobooks this old, because yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess this is also the battle where uh, Isard has leased an interdictor, the aggregator. Yeah, the second interdictor in the whole galaxy. Greater Maldrude. Yeah. yeah. There, there's four. One for each. One for each corner. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's <laughs> called the uh, what is it again? The aggregator. I think it's aggregator. And um, right away, Fleury Vori was like the interdictor. <laughs> <laughs> he knows up by name, despite being on <laughs> locked on a like a a moon for. <laughs> however many years <laughs> if it was something like the, the stoppy movie like oh that's an interdict that would make sense mm-hmm. but aggregator no that one yeah but it's uh it's manned with really crappy typhoon home defense corps mm-hmm. pilots as well yeah uh which turns into a point of contention because sr when valiant shows up and the X-Wings are able to destroy both Corruptor and Aggregator. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. Is no, this the, the Aggregator is not destroyed. It just, Aggregator leaves. It just runs away. It's Corruptor, yeah, Corruptor is destroyed because yeah. it gets torn up by the asteroids. But uh, Isard blames Arisi's pilots for not being good enough. And uh, she's like, we t- I told you. Like, I warned you. Yeah. I, you gave them good evaluation. Like, yeah, I gave them good evaluation. Then you sent them up against the best fighters in the galaxy. Yeah, I did like that. Because unlike, like, in the first book, uh, Isar does seem pretty competent. But in this one, she makes so many mistakes and pisses off so many people. There's literally, like, three different people in the Empire who've got plans to just screw her over and, like, seize control or just leave. Everyone is looking for the first and best opportunity to just screw over Isar. Yeah. Which there's... I don't think I mentioned in the episode yet, but there's a line by Asir the Bothan in... uh, in Rogue Squadron, mm-hmm. where they're talking about how they're going to defy Asard, and she's like, no one else will ever dare to oppose her. We don't. <laughs> Literally everyone. Literally everyone in this book. There's <laughs> not a single person in this book that looks at Asard and is like, you know what, you have the right idea. Yeah. Voru wants to betray her. Uh, Erisi wants to betray her. Saryanka does betray her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joak Dryso, who's the captain of the Lusankia, would have, yeah. wants to betray her. Because he wants control of everything. Like, there's literally no one at any point in this book who says a single positive thing about Asard. Yeah. Not once. Also, Joe acts kind of funny because he's like, he thinks he's got a good plan, but it's so crappy. He's like, he's like, Azani's an idiot. You know what I would do? I'd steal Volusankia and take over Corellia. <laughs> and then take over Kuat and Fondor. And North Dakota and South Dakota. <laughs> Going to Coruscant to take back galaxy. the White House. Yeah. 
because the last SSD to attack Corellia, that went so well. Right. Like, he's just, all the all the Imperials are just totally, like, diluted at this point. See, what she's doing wrong is not taking over the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> what I'd do is I'd take over the galaxy. Honestly, and my plan is to take all the planets in the galaxy <laughs> to accomplish that. He's like, all I have to do is take every shipyard. <laughs> like, take every shipyard and unite all the warlords. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. That's what she should have been doing. Um, Fleury Vor- Voru is actually probably the most reasonable because he's like, I'm just going to run away. Yeah. Like, fair <laughs> my play. Plan is to not die. <laughs> Who's <laughs> with me? Uh, take a, take a, the number one draft pick for Cornhorn's haunt list with me, too. I do like that scene where he's like, You can come with me. And she's like, As a pilot or as a security advisor, based, or sorry, as a. As a security advisor or whatever, or as a love interest. Personal. Yeah. And he's like, well, I would having you as a security advisor would be valuable, but having you as a love interest would be invaluable. And she's basically like, well, security advisor it is. <laughs> I can. She's like, not feeling that, bud. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she's down a ship. The weakest ship, but yeah, they kind of portray Eight Convarian as the most Isardi yeah. captain who's going to take the most ri- most risks and be the most dangerous. I mean, he does a good uh, job of the first, like on his in the first battle, but yeah, well, he was he blew up a freighter, yeah, and some X and not even some X wings. And I'm X-wing. pretty sure that Shudaki Death Seed fighters are literally just there so they can have casualties that yeah. aren't exactly. Rogue Squadron pilots. But he does manage to blow up a rogue squadron pilot. Too, and so I think I think they way. do get two of the death seats too. So I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's there was uh, three or four people that die there, and that's it. Too bad the newer. I mean, too bad they stole a billion credits worth of Bacta the day before. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's pretty soon after the loss of uh, the loss of Corruptor that she loses the second one, where we pretty much right away go to a scene of Seryanka. Going to, uh, it's a weird planet. The... It's like a. Ever remembering out of Maru? Yeah. And he's meeting his mistress, who's like the, the wife of the moth, the local moth. And he's trying to dress to impress both of them because I guess the moth is unaware of what's going on. Right. But he's like, do I wear my tr- red admiral's uniform, which no one else in Star Wars besides Azani Isard has? <laughs> She has ruined this color for me. Yeah. Or black. But on his way there, he's thinking like, yeah, Isard's an idiot. I'd rather not Man, the Empire sucks now. <laughs> even, I even felt bad about this under Palpatine, but at least I could be like, you know what? Someone has to do what I'm doing. I'm just attacking pirates. Yeah. And at least the government's legal. I but now, like... I hate what I'm doing, and I hate who I'm doing it for. I do like how the, um, like, Isard totally misplayed the... Uh the Krytos virus because it's almost like Death Star 2.0 in that it kind of seems to lead to a bunch of Imperials being like, mm, nah, nah, like this isn't for me anymore. Because that's kind of what happened with Tycho. He was like, the book reminds us a few times, he's like Skyping with his family on Alderaan when they get blown up. Um, yeah, and then they try to blame the rebels on it. Yeah. And he's like, eh, I don't know. I'm not about this. Yeah. And then... Which is really sad because it was a really good year for uh, as um, 
we learned it was a really good year for Alderanian wine, but <laughs> no one got to. Try it gets it. uh, it gets extra aerated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it seems like a lot of people aren't down with like inflicting genocide against various alien races, which is good for them. Yeah. You know, we spent so much of the last three episodes talking about does Curtin Lore actually support this shit? Mm-hmm. So it, it's nice to get. Just Serianka, the first scene we have with Antonio saying, nope. <laughs> yeah. So he's approached by, it's like a little strike team of like Wedge and some of the boys. And Which at first he thinks is it's like some kind of weird foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because of this, the, they're wearing blue Stormtrooper gear and his, like, his mistress is wearing a blue dress. And, and, yeah. We're getting more people involved in this, I guess. And he's like, oh, the blue of, of her dress reminds me of many passionate nights we had. And he's like, sees the stormtrooper armor, and he's like, well, now I'm confused. <laughs> well, I mean, stormtroopers are ruined for me now. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it on if that's what you really want. And then they're like, and they, then, then obviously she screams, and he thinks they're going to kill her. She's, he's like, no, we're going to make you very rich. And what they want is for him to basically defect with the Star Which, Destroyer's crew. It seems like he would have done even without all the money. Yeah. So he was that was the biggest it. misplaced funds ever. Booster Tarek wouldn't have made that mistake. Yeah. That's, that's probably why we get so much emphasis on how good Booster is. Because mm-hmm. the first scene we see with Wedge actually negotiating, he just really screws the deal. Speaking of, this is the first... I don't remember if he was mentioned, but this is the first appearance of Talon Card. I feel like he might have gotten a mention in an earlier book. Of who? Sorry? Talon Card. Uh, well, chronologically, or... No, I just mean, like, in the books we've read so far. Yeah, in the books we've read, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, like, they're starting to draw, yeah, characters from... Oh, that reminds me. Um, So, his associate, Melina... It's just one of many people who were on Jabba's sail barge in Jabba's palace. Mara Jade was in there. Um, I'm pretty sure that assassin that Talon card uses. Shada Dakal? Yeah, I feel like Shada was there, but I don't remember. Um, but yeah, just like everybody. And then there's a bunch of other named ones who have like really interesting backstories. It's like, oh, in Return of the Jedi, you see her and you think she's just a dancer. But actually, she, Jabba's she, whole operation was filled She with- was Jabba's security chief. <laughs> she was working for Palpatine. <laughs> Sith Lord. <laughs> Actually, if you look really closely in the in uh, episode six in the palace, you can see Darth Plagueis in the yeah. background. Yeah, he looks like he's yeah. actually a frog or like a, a dog animal eating frogs. But uh, in reality, yeah, it's Darth Plagueis. <laughs> And then Ashrad's head, Ashrad head is in the background in the <laughs> yeah. when they're all over the Dune Sea. You know what else? If you look really closely, there's a guy wearing a mask, and it's actually Lando. <laughs> <laughs> and he wears that exact same mask in yeah. Solo. Oh, he does he? Oh my God, he what does. Deep so that that yeah. isn't that I, isn't something I, I like they picked that. up for that. Yeah, it was something that Lando carries around with. Him. Yeah, because we know that's my favorite part of Solo. My favorite part of Solo is when he's uh, doing his little narration and he's talking about like Flame Winds of Thombaka or whichever, um, or sorry, Flame Winds of Asian or Star Cave of Thombaka. 
I don't remember which one of the old books he makes reference to, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, lots of uh, everybody that was ever on Tatooine ends up being like super important. And yeah. someone die said Shada was in Mos Eisley. I thought she was on the thing too, but yeah, I could be mistaken. Well, she was only in Mos Eisley Cantina because Java was trying to keep an eye on the Cantina, right? That's true. Um, so it well, all ties together. Another thing related to Jabba and Talon Card is we get another instance of someone saying Talon Card basically rose out of the uh, the shadow or kind of like a power vacuum because in Thrawn they talk about how Talon Card basically took over after Jabba died. In the Thrawn duology, we have Taloncard taking over George Cardass's organization, and in this one, we have Taloncard taking over after Booster. All well being like, no one knows that he's like kind of as such a big shot. So, I don't know. I thought it was kind of fitting with his character, but also like, damn, this mm-hmm. dude knows what he's doing. Yeah, he takes over basically every smuggling operation in the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, it ends up being very mm-hmm. New Republic friendly by the end of it. So we dealt with now Corruptor and it would have been Avarice that turns into free. Yeah, Avarice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that just leaves Lusankia and Virulence. Mm-hmm. So Wedge is ready to spring the final phase of their trap and deal with Isard once and for all. There is a. This is around the time we talked about a little bit earlier where uh, Isard talks about wiping out all of the. Or a million of the Verotics, or 1.8 million of the Verotics. Mm-hmm. I forget which way it was. Keeping a million, either way. Uh, so she leaks that information out to Wedge, and Wedge wants her to find them now mm-hmm. uh, in order to save the Verotics. And they they feel like they can deal with everything now. They have all the missiles they wanted, all the proton torpedoes they wanted. They've. Oh. Well, I think I lost Corey. Uh. Second guys, Corey. Second guys, we're having technical difficulties here. I think it might be my internet. Ah, crap. I, oh, sorry. I lost you there, Corey. I think your internet died. Yeah, my internet did die. Um, I don't know what happened. We should be back here in a second. Let me just see if the stream will restart. Looks like it's coming back. Okay. Uh, I think we're good. All right. All right. Sorry about that. You were saying that... Um, they, he was basically getting supplies that we don't know what they're for. Yeah. So a lot of torpedoes, a lot of targeting stuff, and they now know that there's the operative within CARD's mm-hmm. organization, so they're going to let her leak the location of their base to Asard. Yeah. And it's... Talon wants to kill her. Well, or at least he seen, he says he does to get stuff out of uh, Booster, because he's like... Well, for one thing, Talon does feel bad, and he kind of owes a debt because um, he, you know, he caused Rogue Squadron member to die, and it was someone within his organization. So he wants to just straight up kill her, and uh, Booster's like, "No, we're gonna we gotta use her." Like, like killing her that would be noob level. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the plan is just lure them in and blow them up, basically. Yep. Uh, but the one of the big points of it is that even though they have all the freighters outfitted with the uh, everything, the proton the... torpedoes and everything, the all the targeting a bunch of targeting missile lock things go on the station itself but they don't actually put any more missiles on the station. Yeah. So it's kind of like in book one where, where um, it's kind of like Corrin is knocked out and Tycho's in the Lambda or whatever, or whatever yeah. vehicles he's in. And he has, Corrin has the guns, but no targeting. So he links with uh, Tycho and blasts the thing. It's kind of like that. They end up making basically 300 weapons seem like 600 because they take, the targeting for some and attach to the station, so it seems like that has weapons. Then they take the other 300 and attach it to freighters without any sort of targeting modules, but they that ends up working out anyways because they just link it up with the fighters. And they also get a gravity well generator card gets for them. Right. Uh, so I think the idea behind that is that they're going to pull out the virulence and Lusankia a bit farther back in the system. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what the point of it was, but I think that was it. I can't remember if there was like a secondary. I, I think their plan was basically ran perfectly. They would have the, they would leak the location of their base. The enemy would jump in. They would make a very obvious show of running away with, um, with fighters, and then I think that they would just hope that they could somehow split the fleet up. Yeah. So there was actually a discussion between Isard, Voru, and the captains of the ship. So Joak Dreiso, who is uh, now yeah. the captain of. Uh, the Lusankia and his kind of protege, who I can't remember the name of. Yeah, it was kind of a weird one. She where she's in charge of Verlins. Yeah, yeah. Where it starts like, are you actually going to do anything if he doesn't tell you to? Like, Should I? <laughs> yeah. And... But uh, Dreiso is saying, I don't need help. I'm going to go do this on my own. But you want to go over how the battle proceeds at first? Mm-hmm. I mean, he does have a good point because. So, okay, so you want to talk about, like, what actually happens, you mean? Well, if you want to go into the good point first, that's Yeah, I mean, his his point is, like, why bring, like, he's got a Super Star Destroyer, and someone's like, well, they have that Alderaanian War frigate, you might want to bring the Star Destroyer, and he's like, bro, like, I've got a Super Star Destroyer, leave (laughs) the ISD here, so, you know, we split our forces, and, you know, they can't hit both of us at once, and Isard's like, no... This Super Star Destroyer is basically the heart of our power. If we lose that, then we're screwed. So fair enough. They take both ships to um, Yogdul and because they've leaked the the rogues have leaked the location of the system. Um, Booster Tarek is still there. A very brave moment for Booster Tarek, um, especially because he's retired. You know that dude should be off resting, but um, he's like. You guys, like, you don't come in here. Like, it's trouble. And then they go so far, they get hit by the gravity well generator, um, which locks them from running away. And then Booster hits them with a bunch of um, tractor beams, which is another thing they ordered. And then um, all the tractor beams are locked on the Lusankia, and he starts pinging them with um, the targeting computers for the, the missiles, making it seem like they've got 300 guns pointed at the ship. Um so the Star Destroyer and what it thinks is an act of bravery, the virulence, um, moves in front of the SSD, kind of takes all the tractor beams, and then Lusankia runs back um, to Typhera. 
this is also something that we're going to be talking about again with after it becomes Aaron Venture, because in the Hand of Thrawn duology, there's another situation where Booster's on the other end of it, yeah. where Aaron Venture is locked up by a bunch of stations, tractor beams too. Yeah. Is and there's another thing with the ships that they're going to repeat later? Is that, wait, is that a Yog duel? As well? I, I know it's at the Imperial. No, that was at. Uh, da, 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 da. Over sky, no Jagerminer. Jagerminer, yeah, I knew it was something in water. Another yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're just rehashing plots at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, so after that happens, they've got the confrontation. Then at Typhera, the uh, superstar destroyer shows up, and they're the the rogues made a big show of running away with their X wings, making it seem like they're going to strike. Um, while the superstar destroyer is um, you know, dealing with the station. But the crew feels fairly confident because although it is kind of crappy, the uh, Typharon Home Defense Corps is a thing and they think they can hold off however many starfighters. Less than, you know, 50. I think it's just two squads at this point, basically. Yeah, and uh, the Lusankia had left its fighters back at uh, back right. at Yagdol. Yeah, yeah. So they'd scrambled them all and then Dryso just got out as fast as possible. So they had none of their TIE fighters. Yeah. Uh, just whatever the Typharons had. Yeah. Um, and as we know, the pilots, except for one squadron led by, led by uh, Arisi, just aren't very good. They're they're very green, is what they what they say specifically. Um, but Rogue Squadron hasn't went straight to Typhera. They've stopped and they've met with the Star Destroyer that they've basically bribed the captain of. So they're attacking Typhera now, or they're not attacking. They're waiting in the Typhera system uh, near the planet in a Star Destroyer. Oh yeah, there's also the well, Gan ships too, the Tie Bombers with the modified. But we, we yeah. can maybe talk about that later, or not at all, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We get back to Typhera and Freedom shows up, right? Uh, along with all the fighters and the freighters, and Dryso's like, "Hey, it's your boy," <laughs> and, uh, and thinks that he's got Virulence back. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, and initially, I don't think he even realized that the freighters aren't friendly. I think he just thinks they're moving back to... Mm-hmm. They're but... kind of mixed in at first, but mm-hmm. then they start locking missiles. Yeah. But, yeah. So, we get a situation where it's basically... I, I, I kind of like how the, the Super Star Destroyer battle goes down. I didn't like it last time I ran it, but this time I kind of did. Um, in In this book, especially, shields work where you can pound away with them in missiles, lasers, whatever... And then if you manage to overwhelm the shield, it's not like the entire ship goes down. Rather, you create a small hole. Then you can do further damage. So you've got a couple squadrons of fighters, and actually only the rogues have torpedoes because the um, the ships used by the, um, the what's it called, the, the Twi'leks do not. Um, so they're kind of slowly, very slowly ripping away at the Super Star Destroyer, and then it turns out that, yeah, all these freighters are loaded with missiles too, but even still, the thing is just so tough that it's like being slowly whittled away. Like, they'll break through the shields, they'll take down a few turbo laser batteries, they'll, like, basically destroy the entire front of the ship, but it's still it's still kicking until the very end of the battle. Yeah, even when Freedom shows up, uh, basically their strategy is that they're going to wipe out the weapons on one side first mm-hmm. and try to stay more on that side. Very uh, Empire War there's strategy. there's so many weapons that it's... They can't do everything at once. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they've also got the... They still have that little frigate helping them. And then they, they have the first Star Destroyer. 
Um, Valiant. Yeah. Chasing around the engines, shooting at the engines. And... Yeah, fair play. Um, so the one of the main, I guess, tactical mistakes that the uh, Lusenki does is they don't want to destroy the Freedom. They want to capture it again. So he just hits it with ion blasts, and the Freedom ends up re-entering the battle once its shields recharge. Yeah, there's actually, I think it was a really good scene with uh, Seryanka during the battle where they kind of go on and the rest of the crew, the Freedom's like, yeah, do we really want to be here? We're not being paid enough uh, for yeah. this. And he's like, yeah, we can't exist in this galaxy unless yeah. we take down the ship. Yeah. This is our buy-in to the New Republic. Yeah, if we don't kill this big beast, it's going to, yeah. But it, it, is, it really is like, it's it's kind of feels like, the, you know, the, the rogues don't take, I guess, any losses really. Because the way the TIE fighters are coming out, even though the, I, I think they, the Super Star Destroyer still has, or on station, whatever, there's like five squadrons of TIEs, but they're coming out sort of like in waves, so they're manageable, and they're crappy pilots too. Um, but still, like these aren't dedicated bombers, these are X-Wings, they've got no capital ship support, um, and they, they just can't really manage to make a kill shot against the, the vessel. Can you hear me? Yeah, sort of. Sorry, I lost I lost internet again there for a second. Yeah. Okay, it seemed to be good. Yeah. You're not cutting up? Yeah. Sorry, what was the last thing I said that you heard? Uh, we were talking about how Wedge and Tycho were finding supplies. <laughs> oh, yeah, back then. And Mister, no, uh, Corrin having a very emotional moment thinking of his daddy. We were talking about how they were staggered, like the Typharon home defense people were staggered. Oh, yeah. Out. So basically they're just manageable fighters and slowly, slowly picking away at this like, behemoth of a Star Destroyer. Are you there? Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought I lost you for a second. <laughs> Please But no. the... There is one loss that they kind of have where Noir Ven gets uh, blown yeah. out of his X-Wing and he loses his leg, but they, I don't think anyone gets anywhere near that damage other than yeah. him. Um, uh, yeah, that's when like Arisi's fighters kind of... Because she's got that elite squadron of like people who aren't totally crappy. Um, yeah. And I think it's one of them that vapes his ship. Basically, the climax of the battle... Wedge isn't getting a response from anyone when he's giving orders or saying what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So he's assuming that everyone's dead, even though they're mostly just very occupied. Mm -hmm. So there's a few minutes of like thinking it's going to be, uh, he's just going to be going out in a blaze of glory. Uh, but Virulin shows up and he thinks he's Joak Dryso. Yeah. Wedge thinks it's over. Joak Dryso's like, ah, we got this now, but it turns out, uh, booster had taken it over crewed it with his own guys and shown up all in the space of it probably would have been what like two hours mm. that they had to do that yeah because yeah it wouldn't have been long based on the travel times because yeah. the ssd is a bit slower and if you think about it too isn't it like a isn't it like a two-day travel time or something Don't i think they say lusankia takes 12 hours 12, to get okay, there so not that far but or it, is it 12 hours or 12 hours more than the fighters to get there? I don't remember, to be honest. I think it's 12. I, I remember them saying at one point that the whole thing should be done in like 60 hours or something. Yeah, and Dryso is thinking that uh, they're going to get all the fighters that they left behind at Yagdol. Mm -hmm. But instead, 
uh, Wedge sees the A-Wings flying. I was like, wait a minute, the Empire doesn't use A-Wings. Yeah. And it turns out it's Pash Kraken. Very, very fortunate. It turns out because at the, at the beginning of the book, it's actually Pash who um, helps them get the station and helps them hide it as well. And his A-Wing squadron, which he's kind of reverted back to, we talked earlier about how he was just so good, so we had to join Rogue Squadron while he's back. It turns out that they were in the area and they got ripped out by Booster's Interdiction Field. You hear me? Yep. Okay. Sorry. So yeah, they got they got ripped out by Booster's Interdiction Field, and they basically once they appear, the battle is basically over. Yeah, it's all just clean up from then. There's a really good scene between Wedge trying to get Joak Dryso to to surrender. Yeah. Uh, there's a point where Dryso is thinking he's going to ram Typhara with the Lusankia, which I, is admittedly would have been a disaster. <laughs> Well, it's kind of funny considering how the Lusankia gets destroyed eventually. Yeah, true. Where it's ramming Yusan Vong world ship. Yeah. So just like with the errant venture getting tractor beams in another book, Lusankia does actually get to ram something. Yeah. <laughs> she goes out in a blade. And funny enough, too, that actually, in that case, I'm pretty sure before they ram the Lusankia, they give all its guns to the errant venture. <laughs> or they give some of its guns. They, yeah, they distributed a lot. I don't know if it all found a... <laughs> well, not picture. all of them. But I just love how, like, later... So, the virulence ends up being captured, obviously, as we said, by Booster Tarek. Um, and there's this big scene later on where he's... He's basically debating with General Kraken over who gets to keep the ship. And he ends up having to de-arm, disarm some of it, but he, he keeps the virulent, virulence. And he renames it as the Aaron Venture. And then later on, it just like goes to shit because it's really hard to take care of a star destroyer. Yeah. Um, I think it. I think before it goes on the the mission in the Thrawn duology, before because the New Republic properly fixes it up because it needs to look like an ISD. Before it goes on that mission, the thing's just like falling apart. Yeah, like, it's covered in like signage and. There's like one turbo laser apart. working. <laughs> yeah, but the Lusankia wedge calls him. And after his little, I'm going to ram the planet thing, uh, Wed, he, Joe Dreiso introduced himself to Wedge as captain, no admiral. <laughs> and Wedge is like, why don't you just call yourself a grand admiral? Yeah. And surrender. And he's like, a grand admiral never surrender. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I like that. Then someone else just knocks him out and surrenders the Sankey to the New Republic. You think they knocked him out? I, I imagine that, I, I always imagine that they killed him. But I guess it's... Well, knocked him out in whatever sense. Yeah, uh, permanently. Shot him, hit him with a... Fr- I literally pictured them hitting him with a frying pan. I don't know why. And fr- I never questioned that until this moment, but... Yeah, I always imagine someone shot him and just like, yep, I'm the captain now. But I guess that... Yeah, I guess there's probably less violent, violent ways to take command, I guess. No, he'd definitely get shot. He's 100%. <laughs> and then, there's uh, no way he survived. And then they're like, yeah, they, they end up giving up the ship, um, which is crazy because, remember, her defense force had four ships at the beginning, the Corruptor, the two Star Destroyers, and Lusankia. The New Republic, or Booster, makes off with all but the Corruptor, which they destroy. Yeah, it ends up really well. Like, this is the most efficient military operation the New Republic never did, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have anything you want to say else about the battles of Yagdul or Typhera? Mm, no, I think that covers about all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, Corin gets to kill Arisi. Oh, which yeah. Which was a nice little segment, but 
and it's nothing too interesting. Yeah, it's very like he talks about how it's kind of unsatisfying because he just chases her down and just kills her. Like he just he just shoots her and she crashes into a moon. Um and she's just gone. Yeah. It's very anticlimactic. So even though the New Republic does get Lucentia, they don't fit and use it. They there's a, a medical station, a medical research station for a while until, until Dark Empire is like, hey, maybe we need some of these bigger ships too because they have a thousand of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it kind of fights warlords with uh, during the Arinda campaign or whatever. Was that Lucentia or Guardian? It was both. Was they captured another later? Yeah, it, it was both. It was both. Yeah. Pretty sure the Lusenki was used in the Runa campaign, because isn't the Lusenki that one that's in that image, or maybe it's the Guardian in that image? Um, I'm curious now. But yeah, basically, it doesn't see much action, despite there being kind of a lot of chances where it probably could have been pretty useful. Um, can you still hear me? Ah, oh, god damn it. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. Don't know what's going on with my internet. Um, but yeah, so you're right. It, it does basically just sit in, you know, pops out a Coruscant, does, has a little bit of action, gets really badly. I, did, I guess I didn't realize how badly it gets hammered, but it's basically the entire thing's almost slagged. Yeah. Um, to the point that if uh, the Isard clone, which we haven't yeah. mentioned yet, hadn't removed all the prisoners from the Lusankia then they all would have been, like, jetted into space. Yeah. Because the whole area lost atmosphere. Yeah. And it, yeah. Dude, and then, so ultimately, the main thing that was driving Corrin, which was, you know, saving Jan and the other prisoners, he doesn't get to do in this book. Yeah. The the whole thing with this art that happens is kind of wonky here, where she steals, uh, she steals Fleury Voru's shuttle that he's going to use to get away with. But mm-hmm. maybe not. Yeah. Uh, and then Tycho and Corin blow her up, but actually they don't. Yeah. Uh, who's actually on the shuttle? I don't think. I don't remember that we were discussing before. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if, she, if it was her or her clone that was on the shuttle. But Isard's not actually dead. She'll show up again later. Mm-hmm. There was a clone of Isard that comes up in other things that we don't find out about in this book. Uh, yeah, we'll save so, it. So, yeah. There's a book called so Isard's... We'll talk about that later. There's a book called Isard's Revenge, so, you know. Yeah, well, she's coming back. But I guess it's just the uh, the negotiations for virulence and the wedding that we've got to cover. Right, so... Well, there is a moment, too, where... Because Booster and um, Corrin, you know... Corrin thinks that Booster doesn't like him because... This book has very sloppy exposition, with um wedge basically just says exactly what's going on and like he'll have these long ass monologues so wedge and or sorry corn and booster are getting into a fight that's kind of been brewing for a while with um booster insulting corsac you know corn's old job basically in his life and wedge or and corn insulting booster's life and then wedge comes in with like a 30 minute long soliloquy about how Listen, you guys just both understood. This isn't your fight. You know what? Corrin's one of the best dudes I ever saw. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know, man, like, like, Wedge is the ultimate bro at this case. So 
Corrin kind of mends the relationship a little bit, and then he eventually also proposes to um, to Mirax, and then she, she tells uh, Booster, her dad, he's not too pleased. But he's not exactly... I wouldn't say he's not pleased with it. He's just very surprised. And then they get married. Well, he's angry at the uh, the engagement. They decide the way to reduce his anger to make it as short as possible yeah. and get officially married by Wedge as the captain of Lusankia. Yeah. Do we ever get a full wedding? Because because they do say that like a, a proper wedding is coming. Star Wars is weird with weddings. Like there's like a couple of cases where like Han and Leia got married. <laughs> like that event happened multiple times. Um, Luke and Mara got a specific comic for yes, it. Yes, I remember. Because we get some. I guess if you don't get a comic, it's not an official wedding. Yeah, lots of lots of Rogue Squadron faces in that comic. Winter's in it. Tycho's in it, obviously. Um, Face. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just great. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so they get married, and then um, Booster's like, well, he he was. I saw him as a Corsac guy, but the Rogue Squadron gets kind of re or brought back into the New Republic, and he's like, "But now he's a Rogue, so it's okay with me." If only we had met in the twenty minutes before the book when I or when I actually met him, everything would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, he would have. Is no the implication there? Yeah. So clear horseshit, trying to save face, but then he also wants his Star Destroyer. So we get some obscure space law discussion yeah. about who owns what and eventually they they're talking with aaron kraken the uh director of new republic intelligence who's apparently got the authority to make this deal mm. uh, and yeah seriously. so <laughs> they just decide that the fair way to do it rather than risk having booster out there with the fully armed isd give the weapons from the virulence to the freedom so they yeah. can refit it after it got like absolutely demolished by Lusankia. Yeah. Then Terra can keep uh, the rest of the Star Destroyer with minimum arm- armament and renames that to Errant Venture to yeah. run as a giant mobile smuggling den. Yeah. Because because he liked he it seems like he liked running the uh, the base the the Rogue Squadron base. Yeah. And... They mentioned earlier in the book how uh, being a captain of was it Valiant or was it something else? I don't remember. Oh yeah, no, it was the Valiant. It wasn't big enough for him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He he wanted a giant ship to be captain of, and it's funny because Booster's like old in this. Like he's pretty old dude, but he's still old thirty years later in like Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi. Yeah. He's like he's like old enough to be retired, and then he's just like still just pretty old <laughs> later on. Well, to be fair, with uh, his re- he probably retired. Yeah. At, like what sixty. Yeah, and, this is and he's got a pretty uh, a pretty busy that. retirement as well. Yeah, so he's probably ninety by Fate of the Jedi. Yeah, which winds up all right. His sixties, you can call him old. Yeah, but he's still a pretty. How old do you think Mirax and Corrin are? Like late twenties. That's what I've been picturing. Yeah, mid too. to late twenties. I think he's mid twenties in uh, in Rogue Squadron. Okay, and that's like this is a year and a half past then because. I think it's outright says that but at another point it says um because it's he's had another anniversary of his dad's death yeah and he has the first one right after he joined i guess yeah so they're they're like regular pilots getting into their careers they're mm-hmm. relatively youngish yeah a lot of the other rogues are probably early 20s 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because like most of the, like I don't want to, like the 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 other Rogue Squadron members have kind of moved on to like, you know, leadership roles elsewhere. Like, uh, what is his name? Derek. He's still alive, right? Yeah, um, hobby, hobby, yeah. Because like they were originally in Rogue Squadron, but in book book one, like. It's not like they're just new, a couple new members. They're basically restarting the squad at this point. So there's a lot of, a lot of youngs. Yeah. Well, Tycho and Wedge are talking about like, is this an old or a young man uh, game? Yeah. We're just too old for it now. And they're like, thirty two. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, any other plot points that we? Let me just check my notes real quick. Um, they rejoin the new republic they all decide to take their commissions back when aaron's like oh guess what no one filed the paperwork yeah <laughs> isn't that funny so thanks for capturing a superstar destroyer um i think that's mostly it that i had for for uh main plot points yeah i don't think there's anything else there and just in case your internet dies again we can get book rankings you want to sure I, I quite enjoyed this one actually. Um, definitely better than Trusa uh, Trusa Pakura. Definitely better than Krytos Trap. For me, this one might actually be number two. It's it's really different than the other ones, but it kind of brings back the Rogue Squadron one feeling because, or sorry, X Wing one feeling because it's you've got a kind of ragtag group. They've got a very kind of tenuous situation. They've got a very basic base, and they're just trying to get stronger and fight an overwhelming enemy. Um, Daigo's Fist also wants to talk about Oral's Arc. We, we'll mention that at the end. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I really enjoyed so this yeah, one. I'd actually, I'd actually put this one first, I think, oh, nice. out of the five we've read so far. Uh, like the, the criticism I'd have of it is that it just doesn't, it doesn't talk as much about some of the pilots who have become kind of secondary at this point. The way it handles yeah. Riv's death isn't as good. Yeah. But that's kind of just judging it on the criteria that Rogue Squadron set up rather than what it is on its own. Fair enough. So, yeah, I think out of all of them, I, I enjoyed this one the most. And it's kind of, by this point, it feels like Michael Stackpole has kind of figured out the universe a bit mm-hmm. more and what he wants to do with it. So for me, I think it is number one. Yeah, it's got some good space. Like the last space battle is actually pretty good. You can mess up Super Star Destroyer battles by kind of gimping the ship. Like, they do that a bit with um, Dala and the Night Hammer. It doesn't feel strong enough. But, like, in this book, it feels like a super slow, really inconvenient, lumbering beast that, like, the New Republic yeah. is, like, chewing away at. And I, I like that. That, like, felt right. Um, the only thing keeping it from number one, I think, is what you mentioned, the lack of squad dynamics. And it's, it's really kind of, sh- like, Corrin and Mirax and are really... Like, we don't get that. I guess we do get some from Gavin, but I don't know. Yeah, a bit from Gavin, a lot from Oral, which we'll talk about. And some from, like, Riv. Riv's character takes a really big turn there mm-hmm. where he explodes. But, um... <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's one other point I want to talk about before we get to Oral. Yeah. But uh, it gets almost no comment, but Wedge brutally murders a member of the squadron and no one cares, even less than Riv. Wait, where he has he has Minox memory wiped. Oh, <laughs> yes, he does. I I that was kind of upsetting, wasn't it? Yeah, that is droid murder. That's yeah. what it is. And like, Minox kind of a bro. Like I I couldn't do that. Like these people, uh, Corn would never do that to Whistler. I don't think. 
Yeah, and it's not like a biological thing where if you just where it'd be kind of like a, a brainwashing or something no, or like something of a it. lesser crime yeah. where the droids, they're all physically the same. And then it's the quirks in their programming that makes them have mm-hmm. uh, or like weird bugs in their personality that however it's hand-waved. But once you get rid of the personality, it's just literally the exact same as all the other ones. There's yeah. nothing about the biological structure of it or mechanical structure of it that's different. So it is literally like if you got a puppy and then you decided the puppy was kind of annoying and they you just erased the puppy and got a different puppy of the same breed. Yeah, It's 100% droid murder. Hashtag justice for my knock. Yeah, because like in which book is it? I think it's in the Swarm War when they're dealing with like R two D two's got some memory things. Um, he's got memories of uh, uh, Padme. Yeah, yeah, and like Luke almost doesn't do it because he's worried that um, he might erase his memory, which like you know he backed it up, but the droid would basically be like dead. Yeah, yeah. like it happens to three PO a lot, and yeah, his seems to be. Slightly less intense, where like Minox's core personality trait goes away. Yeah. So Jaina does it too because she gets a new, like, funny droid. Just absolutely disgusting. But Oral, back to happier topics. Yeah. Oral's actually one of my favorite squadron members. But he's he's a pimp in this book too. He's the best. Yeah. He's yeah. better than Broar. He's better than Korra. Way better than, than either of those. I think they say he kills like six fighters in like one of the last waves. Yeah, there's a slow progression throughout the books of like Corn being significantly impressed by things that Oral's doing. Yeah. So Yeah, like he can't even keep up best. with them at one point. I wonder whether that's because he's being kind of shadowed by his um So Oral is being shadowed by these two representatives from his species, the Gand. They've got these weird things where um it's like ego based almost in a way, where if you're a Gand without many achievements, or if you're, you know, ashamed about something you'll refer to yourself by your family name if you're um more famous you can use your first name if you're in a really shameful moment you might just call yourself gand but if you're like a legendary figure that everyone in your species should know you can refer to yourself as i or me or whatever else so oral's got the this group i don't remember what they're called um they're basically uh, it's basically genuine but yeah. spelled differently they're basically evaluating him to see whether he's reached that point yet, and he has at the end of the book. Which is we are to chronicle Krieg's existence and criticize. It's a great honor. Yes. And Oral just seems annoyed. Yeah, and Corrin is just like at the bar, just like... Uh. <laughs> yeah, so it's like the... I think the hierarchy goes like Gond, then Krieg, then Oral, and then now at the end he can call himself I. Yeah. And Corrin's like, oh, you must think we're all really arrogant. If we're yeah. always walking around Clark's says, I'm like, nah, I just know you're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> then he walks or walks away probably like I just remember they're like bunk buddies for a while and ever since then I just like when I forget which plant they're on, Borleas maybe, they're like sharing a room together, corn and remember because he tries to win. Yeah, them? The, like the earlier the earliest bases that are yeah. follower and Talasia. Yeah. Cause he like he tries to he tries to do um, wingman him with Mirax I think yeah he's like I got a free bed the only thing I took out of X wing number one <laughs> but did we uh, did he establish why he had a free bed that night because maybe he was off doing his own stuff <laughs> yeah he lost his arm remember 
Oh, was that when he was in the back there? Yeah. I thought he was... Because remember you made the joke about how um, he actually meant you could spend the night with him in the back to tank. <laughs> right. I did say funny things. Yeah. Uh, oh, one other thing I wanted to bring up was Corin mentions a few times how like Luke is like sending him Jedi leaflets <laughs> the whole time. And I'm just picturing Jehovah like Witnesses. being on this... Yeah. This Luke Skywalker Jehovah Witness spam email chain that he's getting... <laughs> Did you know the Jedi once had a base at Ossus? Reply stopped for. He's like, stop. He's like, you just resubscribed to Jedi facts. <laughs> Did you know the Jedi had a ship that they used to teach people on? Did you know there's a Jedi spirit inside the eye of Palpatine? Did you know that my father's Darth Vader? What? <laughs> yeah, it's. Luke is. Luke's just kind of being a bit of a. He's not being a pain, but he's definitely causing Corrin some 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 self doubt. I'm kind of yeah, looking forward like to I Jedi right actually. Now. There's at some point in I think it's in just an I Jedi where he like completely yells at Luke, calling him incompetent or something. <laughs> Which to be fair, he is. There's oh, but don't worry about it too much. Even if you include Kyle, Mara, and me, only three of your first 15 students are fucking dead right now. So. I mean, he, hang, he hangs it with Callista for about half an hour and she ends up losing all her force powers, going into the mom being possessed by Abeloth. So, I mean, <laughs> that didn't work out very well, did it? Luke is just full of bad ideas. We haven't seen him for like four books now, basically, know, other was... than quick cameos. Yeah. So He comes uh... up... <laughs> He comes up in like two minutes, last book, just to ex- freaking expose Cornhorn in front of the entire squad. <laughs> hey, you know your story you've been telling everyone? It's false. Hey, Corn, want to tell everyone why you're lying to everyone? <laughs> well, one thing you know that family you're so connected to? Yeah, yeah. it's not. <laughs> you messed up, buddy. <laughs> um, one thing we do learn in this is that Corn's grandfather is still alive, his uh, adopted grandfather. Uh-oh. He's on Corellia because well, I guess we didn't mention this. Corin gets a message from his, or he finds a message from his dad in Whistler's databanks, um, and he's like, oh, "I'll listen to it later." And the Mirax is like, "Well, you should, have you talked about think thought about talking to your grandfather about this?" And he's like, eh, he's stuck under the dictat on Corellia." Did he actually listen to the to the message no, in this book? No, okay. I don't think he does till I Jedi. All right, so that'll be something to look forward to. Anything else you want to say about uh, Back to War? No, I enjoy. I really, I don't know. I've enjoyed reading all of these. You know, every single book we've read so far, even what do I have? Number Krytos. Even Krytos Trap. I've enjoyed reading all of them so far. Um, so far. Yeah. So, do you want to talk about what our plans for the future are? Because we are going to be changing things up a little bit for next episode. Right. So, uh, I'm just going to go to the actual timeline. I think if we were. We've been mostly going chronologically, yeah. uh, where we did Truce of Bakura, then we did uh, these first four back or first four Back to War books, the first four kind of. X-wing books, yeah. and next up chronologically would be uh, Wraith Squadron, and then two more. So Wraith Squadron, Iron Fist, Solo Command, and then we'd have Courtship, and we'd. But since we've done four X-Wing books in a row, and I think uh, eventually we may have a guest for Wraith Squadron, mm-hmm. but uh, since we've done the four X-Wing books in a row, we want to mix it up a little bit. Next week, before we get to uh, 
the X-Wing books by Aaron Austin, which starts with Wraith Squadron. You mean the week after? Were, or, yeah, yeah next, next episode. episode. Yeah. Next episode. Uh, we are instead going to loop back a little bit, take an episode away from X-Wing, and read Darth Plagueis by James Lucino. One of the best Star Wars EU books. So, yeah, another one that's probably going to be fighting for the top of our rankings. It's uh, going to be number one for me, I think. I'm, I'm so good. Yeah, it. a lot to talk about with that. So if you guys want to get any questions right now for Back to War, uh, if you want to leave them in the chat while we close out the episode, we'll see what we can address. Or if you have any other questions for us about Back to War or about Plagueis, you can send them to tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. Uh, that's where the two questions we answered today came from. There's a bunch of other uh, feedback we've gotten, which we've, we've read everything. I don't think we've responded to everything, but any emails you send, yep, both we of us do read. read them. Um, yeah, so the, we've done four X-Wing books in a row now. We, we do have three more, um, but it doesn't. it's not really like this much more in the... Until we get up to really New Jedi Order, I think the longest... Do we have any... Well, I guess we'll do some of the young reader books, and they... they uh, Yeah, but those are like 90 pages yeah, each. we'll probably cover probably combine, yeah, yeah. two or three of them. But most other series are just three books. Some are two. Um, are there any that are longer? Let me just pull up my EU timeline. Um, but yeah, so if you feel like this is kind of dragging a bit, if you're not into X-Wing as much, like, don't worry... We are, we'll be out of it soon. I mean, I've been enjoying it, so if you don't enjoy it, we'll be out of it soon. But if you do enjoy it, well, we still have three more episodes, and then we've got more X-Wing much, much later on. Yeah, so I think the plan will be we'll do Darth Plagueis, then we'll come back for Wraith, Iron Fist, Solo Command. Uh, then we might take another break and jump back between Solo Command and Courtship. Mm -hmm. Then there's a bunch of standalone stuff. Then we get Thrawn Trilogy. Yeah. So. Yeah, and... If you've never read the Thrawn trilogy, obviously you need to. But I do think it makes sense. There's not really a lot that fits in. For example, we talked about reading Death Star before we read the Kalissa stuff because it gives some um, background on Dala. Um, so, like, if, if you guys have any ideas of when we should hop back or kind of hop sideways, like if there's a Tales of book that would fit really well or something like that, like, let us know. What, what I think could actually work is if we do Plagueis, we come back for Wraith, Iron Fist, Solo Command. Mm -hmm. uh, then before, whenever we do the Thrawn trilogy, we could do Outbound, Outbound Flight. Flight. Yeah, I was thinking that too. The other thing about Plagueis mm -hmm. is it's got so many good EU references. Like, but yeah, especially it's like a big compendium of Sith knowledge. Yeah, but even like it's got um, what's his name um. Oh, what's Palpatine's advisor? Not his advisor. His um, I can't remember his name. What's what's the guy from Outbound Flight? What's his name again? Kinman Doriana. Yeah, Kinman Doriana's in Plagueis, isn't he? And he's in like nothing else. Um, so it's just it's a nice kind of like it's 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 a for an expanded universe, it's like a masterpiece almost. Mm -hmm. um, so we're yeah. Got a lot to look forward to. At some Good point, I'd like to do up. Shadows of Mindor as well because we we kind of skipped that because yeah. it's a weird one. Um, we can go back. It's to a that. weird book, but yeah, yeah. kind of wanted to get the general basis for the pod podcast Definitely, set up before yeah. we go too deep into the weirdness. Yeah, could be cool to do like uh, one of the early kind of old Republic stuff before we do the Jedi Academy trilogy too. Yeah, 
And of course, we mentioned we'll do some comics. I mean, we can't do Rogue Squadron comics because there's just so many of them. But like, yeah, it'd be rehashing a lot of what we've already done. Yeah. So, but we mentioned we we will do probably Dark Empire at some point. I mean, chronologically, I assume. Uh, is there anything coming up that you're really excited for, Corey? Uh, Book-wise, for that, I mean, Thrawn trilogy and Outbound Flight are Outbound Flight. I really think good. for a while, Outbound Flight was my favorite Star Wars book. It it's might really still be. Good. So, like, I think that's where Timothy Zahn really figured out what he wanted Thrawn mm-hmm. to be. And that kind of ties together so much from the what the Empire is supposed to be, like what the justification, at least in Palpatine's mind, for what he was doing was. Totally. Instead of just being, I want to be Captain Evil McBad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's really what I'm looking forward to. For me, it's New Rebellion. I, I, I don't know if I've ever read that book all the way through. Um, I've, I bought a copy, and I've got some memories of some stuff that happens, but I really don't remember much of it. So, kind of excited for that. Especially because it's like the arrow that I like too, so. I don't know that I, I've ever read anything about New Rebellion. It's like, I know it, it's cooler, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that, it's pretty big blind spot for me so yeah so that'll be, that'll be good for both of us um survivor's quest 2 is a really good one yeah um which is that's the thing when you read the outbound flight first you kind of lose some of the kind of intrigue and stuff that we get just kind of naturally but any chance of doing some of the source books for lore stuff like I, i'm sure as we get more into uh substantial like... the the novels will possibly like throw in some episodes of just topical overviews, which could involve some of that. Yeah. But there's a lot of opportunities for us to change up the format or throw in extra episodes. Cause with that kind of thing, we wouldn't necessarily have in the space of two. That's kind of why it's a every other week thing. Yeah. Cause we have to fit in reading the books around everything else we're doing. Yeah. Whereas if we do a topical one, if we're just going to be talking for an hour, that would be an opportunity for us to have another episode thrown in there. So I think that would be how that would, but yeah um yeah there, like there's there's stress like we've got a lot to do and i mean the books aren't super long no star wars books are really very long although by the time we get to friggin' vision of the future i'm gonna be complaining but yeah those specter and vision are super long we'll probably just cut out everything to do with the comqua and comja yeah when we do those i won't say those words once while we're doing i jedi is pretty long too if i remember correctly well, it pretty much condenses the whole trilogy into one yeah. thing, and that yeah, yeah. Um, and we still have to figure out. I mean, I, I'm pretty down to cover all of the, at least the uh, Junior Jedi Knight stuff because they're fun. They're really fun stories. Yeah, like they're get, easy, quick. You get lots of weird stuff, like you know, you get the Shadow Academy and stuff. Yeah. Plus, they're like strangely foundational for like the new Jedi order and legacy of the force for everything that follows everything that follows them. It's really important because Jason is the most important star Wars character. Mm-hmm. Well, I read this thing actually about how Talon card actually caused everything in the star Wars universe bad that happened because it was basically he's responsible for, I forget the, He's responsible for the um, creation of the um, oh, what, what's it called? Um, why am I forgetting the name? I did a video on them. The the not the Vornsker the uh, 
Voxen? Yeah. He's responsible for the Voxen because he showed the Yuzhan Vong the abilities of the Vornsker when he took them down to Yavin, uh, when he's pretending to be on their side. Do you remember that? Um, like yeah. Anakin is hiding out on Yavin, I think. So he shows them the Vornsker, which they use to create the Voxen. The Voxen results in the death of Anakin on um, in Star by Star. And then I, I don't remember the later kind of arithmetic, but... Well, that's when Jason also gets captured. That's when yeah. Alemarar... No, not Alamara. No, Alora. It is Alema. Alora, the one from Jedi Knight. Anyways, mm-hmm. that's when the dark Jedi go to the swarm to the dark nest. Yep. Tahiri Jason. gets captured and. Or no, she's captured from Yavin. Never mind. But yeah, everything bad happens because of Talon Card. That's a yep. good point. Yep. And that like leads all, right, well, all we the way to Star Wars. Jedi, so cause... I guess we don't need to. Do the podcast anymore. Yeah, because if you think about it too, even the Fate of the Jedi stuff was caused because Centerpoint Station blew up, basically. And that only yeah. happened because Jason got a little antsy. So So all personal responsibility for anything people did after this is solved. It's Talon Card's fault. Yeah. I'm sure we can go back even further. Really, it's Jabba's fault for dying for creating a power vacuum. So really it's so Leia's it's, fault. It's George Cardass's fault for yes. uh for giving Talon Card that power to seek out like he was Cardass's protege, which means it's Thrawn's fault for introducing George Cardass to anything. You're gonna just gonna skip the Ang T monks, they don't have anything to do with this. Well, I guess never well, mind. Because they, they didn't have any yeah, they never I guess they yeah, that was helped him return. Later. Yeah. Yeah. After Cardass had already sent Card on his way. So Wow. Wow. I don't think we can top that. They must have planned all of this out from the very beginning. It's fantastic. That's why nothing of substance happens in any of the books, because they know the starting and ending point. <laughs> um, well, I mean, sub- substantive... You are right. With these books, they are very limited, because the X-Wing series comes out after, you know, like everything else. So Well, at least it gives them something to work towards, yes. so it's not quite the same problem as... Uh, other books that certain people have made YouTube videos on today that people should watch. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, let's watch my video, you buttholes. <laughs> That's a good way to inspire people to watch it if they haven't already. Mm-hmm. But uh, anything else you want to throw missed, out there? I don't think we missed any questions. Um, no, I think that's it for me. Um, one last thing. Are there any books you're really, really not looking forward to reading books i'm not looking forward to black fleet crisis hmm. that's a good call corellian trilogy for me i think there's at least some like interesting lore stuff in corellian trilogy black fleet crisis has ship lore dude it had a ship lore that with ships that never get mentioned again by anything listen here yeah i know you're right Nebula Star Destroyer, irrelevant. Yeah. Worst ship. K-Wing, see ya. Garbage. All of it, trash. Should do an episode on Kraken's Threat Dossier instead. <gasps> I'm down. All right, guys. If you want to watch, good for me. If you want to give your thoughts to this mess of a podcast we have, uh, you might even get to hear them, assuming my internet works. You can email them to tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. Um, links to the podcast on 
Spotify, iTunes, and whatever else, Smoke Signal, are available down in the description. Thank you very much for watching. Appreciate you guys. Corey, you want to sign off? Uh, yeah, thanks for watching, everyone. Looking forward to the next episode. Me too. Darth Plagueis is exciting stuff. I'm going to go buy I'm going to go buy a new version of it. Let's go. I already did. All right. Well, just just right show, me up, show me up before I end the stream. Hey, you called my stream cozy last time. I'm still salty. Yeah, well, you deserve it. Oh, man.